topics that we've discussed so far is the significance of time within the creation. I think this is an important thing to bring into our discussion of men and women. So, for instance, if you're thinking purely in terms of the world as a static um, entity that contains other entities, you'll miss something about the character of reality itself, which is a temporal reality. So if you were to understand male and female, it's very hard to do that without understanding man and woman, or male and female, as trajectories of development through time. We start off with, we play out our relationships between men and women in particular ways. So what it means to be structured male and female as kids, it's very much about very young kids. It's about the differences in the ways that we relate to our mothers and fathers. Then it becomes that, can be that period where, as a kid, you want to differentiate yourself from the other sex as much as possible. Um, this is a boy's thing. You don't want to get anywhere near the girls, and there's often a very sharp polarization, which is fun to watch and a bit ridiculous sometimes. But you see these dynamics playing out in that sort of age. And then there's a point where kids realize the other sex is actually rather interesting. Um, there's something about them that is drawing me to them, and I'm not sure what that is, but for me to understand something about myself, I need to understand myself in relationship to the other sex. And there's often this period of time of great awkwardness where the other sex becomes this big thing, and every time, for instance, if you're a young boy, you, you approach a girl, she represents the entirety of women. <laughs> and so when you talk to her and if you flame out, then you're done. You're, <laughs> you're, never going to have a, you're never going to have a family. You're never going to have children. You're never going to hold your face in public again. There's that sense of she represents the whole reality of the other sex in the same way as your mother can serve as that sort of role earlier on in your life. Then you grow in relationship to each other. So there are, certainly, there are certain strengths that men and women have in a more accented form. And as we relate to each other, we grow in those particular strengths. So a man learns to be tender and gentle towards his children. Man learns to be patient in ways that he's probably not going to learn from his male friends. In the same way, women learn things from men. And that relationship is part of our process of growth, this male and female dynamic. Another thing that we need to pay attention to when we talk about time and the sexes is in our conversations about marriage and the family and these sorts of things, we focused so much upon the young family that's in childbearing age. We fail to give attention to the fact that a marriage goes through many different stages. Just as the individual development of a, a person, male or female, is a long course trajectory of development, so a marriage goes through stages of development. That stage before there are children, that stage where there are very young children, as those children mature, as they start to move out and enter their own marriages. And then that stage later on in life where um, the relationship between male and female matures to a further form still. And often we focus so much upon static entities and fail to realize just how much time is a factor in God's creation that we've missed all of these things. We've not paid enough attention to the way that what God establishes are these movements through time. And so when we're reading the account of the creation, what we have is an itinerary through time, a series of days that walks us through a process of development, 
an enriching of an original creation and a gradual forming and filling that in various ways we'll experience within our own lives as our lives are formed and filled by this relationship between male and female through many different stages and processes in our lives as we work out our relationship with our mothers and fathers, as we work out our relationships with our peers, as we work out our relationships in sexual attraction to the other sex, and as we work out our relationship to our own sex in a sort of sociality that is distinct from the sociality experienced by the other sex. And then as we grow in marriage, as we grow in parenthood, and um, this experience of being a mother or a father as something distinct in a way that we grow into a fuller form of what it means to be male or female. And a different, and as we grow up, whether we, become, whether we become mothers or fathers or whether we become husbands or wives, we are growing into a richer form of what it means to be male or female. And part of what that means is this co-implication of male and female as this dynamic dancing pair through time, going through this process where each grows in relationship to the other. When we get to Genesis chapter 2, there's a recapitulation of patterns that we see within Genesis 1. There are a number of ways we can view this. We can see it almost as a Russian doll. Uh, you open up the larger Russian doll and within it there's another model within it that replicates on a smaller scale the structure that you see on the larger one. It could also be seen as maybe the relationship between satellite view and street view. That when you get to Genesis 2, you're seeing a street view account of the creation. Whereas in Genesis 1, you've had that satellite down from above view. For humanity, at a certain point, to leave the home of Eden and spread out into the world. That relationship with God is one that will grow into a more mature state as they grow in that. And that relationship between male and female is part of how humanity grows out into the world. So the naming of the creatures is that initial stage of apprenticeship. Adam has seen what God has done. He's presumably been told how God named the th creatures of the first three days. And now he's been given a similar task. He's been charged. He's been given responsibility. He's been given a place that has weight and significance within the world, but also called to judge, to judge his own insufficiency, that there's something about his part within the creation that he can't quite do what he's been portioned to do. Not just because there's not enough of him to go around and form all the creation, but even beyond that, there's something about the other creatures that he can see in them and the, pair, the pairing that they have, something about what he is missing. And when the woman is formed, he recognizes in her something about himself, and he calls himself, and as he says, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. That's a self-recognition in addition to a recognition of the woman. The man recognizes himself as he recognizes who the woman is. And that relationship between the woman and the man is then established in the union of marriage. This is the institution of something that is ongoing as a pattern of creation. And so as we've seen already, that God establishes the structures of creation that are continued within providence. And this is a structure of creation that is continued in human society. It's not just the sexual union of man and woman as two animals. It's a social relationship and a generational relationship, leaving father and mother, that previous 
male and female relationship and propelling humankind through time because that movement from generation to generation is part of what's implied here. Not just the bond between male and female in a single moment in time, but part of what propels human society to grow, part of what enables us to move beyond what our parents have given us. We're not just reproducing ourselves. We are growing into something greater, and that breaking of that union, that union between parents and their children, and a movement into another union and some greater union where we find ourselves in a new relationship between male and female, that's part of how creation grows. And so if we're to understand Genesis 1 and 2, the only way that we'll understand it properly is by seeing these themes of growth and development and movement and change and orientation that are striving towards something greater, that are pushing us out into the world. And this is a world that is charged with life and expectation and promise and It's bubbling up with potential. And this is the world that God has placed us within to live out that potential, to express and to articulate that within ever more glorious and complex forms as we express what it means to be male and female, what it means to be fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, and those who are moving out into the world and bringing his pattern to bear upon the creation. And so what we have in this passage is humankind in its infancy. Humankind being taught its first steps, um, stumbling a bit and um, trying to gain its footing and just being given those very rudiments of instruction, learning from God as he teaches man what he is to do. And God as a father takes Adam under his wing and this young child, he teaches him how to walk. He teaches him how to name things, how to speak about the world well. And then he brings a bride to him, like an ancient father would do. He, He brings a woman that is suitable for his son, so that his son can move beyond um, that stage of childhood into a stage of adulthood and greater responsibility and activity and engagement with the world, that he can have children of his own and pass on in his turn, not just being the image of his father, but having children who are his in his image and in his likeness, as we see later on with Seth. That he, is, that he is in the image of Adam. So there are these themes of growth. There are these themes of development. And as humankind, male and female, we are continuing what God has started in Genesis chapter 1. These two chapters, which are so often divided against each other and pitted against each other as opposing creation accounts, in their union, we will understand who we are, our place within the world, and just the character of God's creation as a realm that is striving for growth, that is maturing through stages, that is overlapping forms of temporal patterns, whether that's the evening and the morning that it all begins with, or whether it's that movement from generation to generation that it ends with. This is the world that God has placed us within. And to understand who we are as male and female is to understand part of the creation as a whole, It's what orients us and orders us within this creation, what enables us to participate in God's creation activity and what gives us the power to act out into the world and to be participants in his act of creation. And we'll take a break there. We'll have to get into the curse tomorrow. I thought, yeah, it would be too tight to squeeze it in today, but there's a lot to get into there. Take a couple of questions. Certainly. Certainly.